Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 94 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. And today we are doing another listener questions with our advice. So this is a follow Yay. Yay. It's so fun. We love this. Um, last week, episode 93, we took three listener questions, and we've got three more today on a really great variety of topics. So we're going to get right into it in just a moment. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer 
and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Yes. All so right. shall we dive in? Let's do it. So our first question comes from Avery. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Avery. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. I have two children, an almost three-year-old girl and a six-month-old boy. Uh, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I can regularly be found in my car talking back to you guys and amening you. And my kids are so used to it. They don't even blink anymore. But I just love it. Um, my question is, as you transitioned um, to from one to two to three to more kids, as you became more seasoned mothers, what things in the beginning did you think were really important and gave a lot of thought and energy to that as you had more children decided weren't that important um, or not things you needed to give so much thought to? Um, and then on the flip side of that, what things did you not really think about much with your first child when you were a new mom that you later decided, uh, oh, you know, this is really important. I'm going to give more thought and energy to this, um, but not necessarily something you would have thought of in the beginning. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, so whether they're little practical things or bigger, more meaningful life lesson type things, um, I am interested in all of it. So that's my question. Thank you so much for your podcast every week and your motherly wisdom. I'm always so encouraged and inspired by it. And uh, I really look forward to hearing your answers. So thank you so much. All right. I'll jump into this one, Sarah, because... Um you know, obviously I have a lot of experience with adding children to my family and losing sight of some of the things I thought were really important in the beginning. So the thing that struck me as I was trying here, I sitting here racking my brain, trying to think what I did with, you know, the first baby that I thought I didn't need to do anymore with the second and third and fourth and fifth. um, It wasn't so much that, I mean, my parenting style really didn't change too much, but what did change was how much um, energy and how much weight I gave to certain things. So like breastfeeding is an example where, with babies one and two, I was so intense about doing it perfectly. And like, when do I introduce a bottle? Do I introduce a bottle? Um, having like the feedings be perfectly length and, and making sure I was always switching between sides at the right time and all that. And that I really relaxed with, with three, four and five. Now, some of that's just experience, right? So you can't really tell a brand new mom who's never breastfed before, just relax. It'll work itself out. Totally. You know that that doesn't really work. But that's definitely one of those things that I just... I just kind of chilled out a little bit about doing everything so perfectly. I think if I could go back um, to even like number two, which I think is he was my peak, peak intensity, (laughs) where I was really like mothering as hard as I could. Um, I think I would have just been like, you know, it's okay if if this like on demand nursing doesn't look exactly the way the La Leche League book says it should or whatever the situation was. So that's one that pops into my head. Yeah, it's almost like that 80 20 rule is so hard or whether it's 80 20, 60 40. Like if you're doing what you want to do most of the time, I think kids are so much more flexible and resilient 
brilliant than we often give them credit for. And Absolutely. it's it's our own desire to adhere to that standard, whatever you've decided it is, 100% of the time. So I totally right. hear you that it's not so much changing your mind about things that are important, but softening the importance of that importance. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, like it's important, but it's, it's a, we can sort of relax how, how we behave around that standard. Yeah. Um, I mean, every, everything matters, but we don't need to make things matter. Like the specific details matter so much. Sometimes. Yes, totally. Yeah. So I'm curious about the second part of Avery's questions. Now that you're, you have much older kids than I do. Are there any things that you didn't pay attention to or think were important that you've kind of realized as the kids gotten older that are? You know, again, for me, it wasn't like um, as them, them getting older that necessarily made it so different. But I will say when when I just had one baby, I really didn't pay very much close attention to having a routine because he was mm. an easy baby, an easy toddler, and it wasn't necessary. And so I didn't get the skills to really... Um, I don't know, kind of create and enforce that rhythm around my day until I was sort of forced to it with baby number three. That right. was like, oh my goodness, you know, hands up in the air. Like I, I give, I need to have some structure around this. And so there was a lot of chaos I had to kind of get under, yeah. <laughs> under wraps um, by that point where it would have been easier on me, um, yeah. maybe not even on them, but on me for sure. Had I eased into it a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. I think you even, I think you wrote a blog post one time about how you being not so much a schedule person really yes. like assumed that that would be the best way for you to mother your kids and how it did take you longer to realize that um, just because that's how you are kind of naturally built doesn't mean that the structure wasn't helpful as a mom. Like yeah, that you came late to that realization. Yeah, I came late to it. And the, so it was more work yeah. that way because I didn't I didn't do it really easily. Um, another sense. thing that just popped into my head is is about discipline. And I, I know you and I've talked about this a little bit um, as well. But for me, like I was so focused on my, when my babies were like toddlers and toddlers and preschoolers. Right. Like yeah. maybe like one to two and a half, three. I was so focused on what they were doing. Um and I, I was really like hyper focused on their behavior. And especially when we were at any kind of a public situation, right. that was what I would focus on. And I didn't pay as much attention to like why they were doing things. Mm. And the, you know, what I kind of have come to realize is a kid's personality, the way they react yeah. to stressors or, um, you know, social situations or whatever it is, that the, the way they react, it will manifest differently, but the why the basic personality doesn't yeah, go away. And the so triggers, I, yeah. the triggers and had I been more, had I been less worried about what other people thought mm-hmm. or feeling like I have to squelch this behavior because if I don't get on top of it, there's so much paranoia. Like if you don't fix it now, your kid's going to become out of control. I wish that I had maybe given myself a little space to not worry so much about how they were outwardly manifesting that stuff and paid more attention to why they were doing it in the first place because that stuff never goes away and I'm still dealing with that now right. with every single kid just in yeah. totally different ways. That's that's such wise advice. On the same note, I really think one thing that I didn't give as much thought to was to me, discipline and behavioral issues was such like a hot topic around, like you said, the toddler and preschool age. And I really, you know, I read up a lot on it. It's something I find interesting and, you know, apply with my own family. But I kind of, in, my, in the back of my mind, I kind of thought like, that's a toddler and preschooler phase, the behavior, right. the outbursts and the whining. And, it, you know, we all know what that looks like. Um, the The need to support our kids through their emotional development. Obviously, it sounds so obvious now. It, it doesn't end when they turn four or five. Right. You know, I have an yeah. almost nine year old. We're entering like 
tween you know phase um i yes. have a very a very tightly wound six and a half seven year old who his whole life will need help managing his emotions and and you know help with all of that stuff so i think i just was short-sighted in thinking that i'd move on to other topics from you know discipline and behavior and emotional support and that is obviously an ongoing an ongoing thing that i will continue to well you know this continues to be important it totally ties in with what I was just saying, too, because, you know, you get this idea that if you just set the kids up, like if you create the foundation, you set the basis up when they're like one, two, three, yeah. that then you it's like you just hit the button, you hit the play button and you never have to worry about it again. And that's so they're still human beings and they will continue to be them their own unique little human selves forever. So yep. you're so right. I mean, um, yeah, it's not like a figure it out now and you never have to think about it again right. situation. No, it's so true. And if you are in that, you know, baby and a toddler like Avery is, and um, I just would echo what you said at the beginning, Megan, which is the rigidness that we tend to apply to things like schedules and feeding and sleep, um, that just the relaxing that a little bit is so freeing for so many moms. And I yes, wish there absolutely. was a way that we could just make people believe that but it almost seems like you have to earn your stripes you have yep, to have you that go thing through it. yes and then just one more thing to mention is that our series called things we shouldn't have freaked out about we have three episodes in that series one about new babies one about toddlers and one about kids starting school and i'll link to them in the show notes at the momhour.com but it's basically exactly this it's things that we freaked out about and now in hindsight think oh that wasn't such a big that deal wasn't so, bad, so right. if you like this part of the conversation you will definitely like those episodes and i'll link to them in the show notes great all right so next question up is from mandy hi megan and sarah this is mandy from minnesota i have three girls who are 10 6 and 2 as i've become a parent it's really forced me to look at my own upbringing and my parents and so i'm wondering what about y'all what are a couple of things that your parents have done that you are now doing for your kids and passing that along, as well as what are a couple of things that your parents or even their generation has done that you are now trying to do differently? I love and enjoy the show, and I cannot wait to hear your answers. So I'm going to jump in on this one again. Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Um, so I think this is so it's, it's so fascinating to me. I love I love questions and conversations about generational behaviors, whether that's, you know, your parents, the way they did things, the way we do things that are a little bit different, the way maybe even Sarah does things a little differently from me because we're a few years apart. It's just, it's so fascinating to me. And so it's really hard for me to separate out, like, what did my parents specifically do that I liked or didn't like from what did their generations do? And I think we are all products of our generation, whether we think we are or not. Um, So like one that pops into my head or two that pop into my head, my parents started parenting in the sixties, which I was a little, they were a little on the older side from a lot of my friends' parents. Um, And so things like sitting down together and having dinner at the table every night was much more of a thing for my parents than it was for many of my friends' parents because they had, it was like a full decade later that they started having kids, some of them. Yeah. Um, and it was almost like a throwback at that point. And now that idea is having a little bit of a renaissance, which yeah. I think is really cool. And it's definitely informed the way I do dinners. I'm not as rigid about it as my as my mom was. It's not every single night sitting down at the dining room table, but definitely something that's important to me. Um, another thing my parents did and get, was give us a lot of personal freedom, which I know was something that started tightening up a lot in the 80s for a lot of kids. By the 90s, was practically disappearing. Um 
and now again is kind of having this renaissance for this yes. like this free range parenting thing and um, it was something that I look back and see the relative freedom I had as a kid and I know that it was really valuable to me and also something I can I can look back and draw on things I learned yes. about myself and independence and how to navigate your neighborhood and how to talk to people and all those things and build independence um, I can see the value in that now and so when I saw things going in a different direction when I was starting to have kids I really yeah. kind of wanted to get that back but it's like it everything kind of comes and goes there's always these like I don't know there's always the the circular yeah. cycles you know it's all but what, cyclical but what I like about what you said is you know it's not quite possible to exactly replicate say your free right. range-ness no, but right. just that it's sort of in you as a value and that's right. I definitely notice things in my own parenting that aren't going to look the same but they're there because they either were there or weren't quite there in the way that I was raised so a couple that came up for me um, one thing that I think my parents were a little ahead of the curve on is talking to us about money and finances and helping us learn about saving and donating and investing. And I think that came in part because my dad had a kind of mid-career career change where he um, he was a dentist and he left to work for a company that helped other dentists and medical professionals with their finances. So he kind of entered this world of working with quite wealthy professionals who didn't know anything about how to manage their money. And that was when we were kids. And so I, I know that that really informed how they wanted to raise us um, and teach us about money. And I do feel like that was kind of, like they were a little bit ahead of the game there. And that's something that um, our kids are on the younger side. And so Brian and I haven't really, I wouldn't say implemented a lot of that yet. Everything from giving an allowance and teaching the kids how to save part of their allowance. And I know there's some great books and resources out there about that. But I feel like that's a priority for me in part because I, in retrospect, I realized how many of my peers did not have those kinds of open conversations about money and, and get educated about money from their parents. So that's one that I would like to replicate is the wrong word, but something that I feel grateful that you we can influence. Had, you. Yeah, yeah. That, that will continue. Um, I guess one thing in terms of doing something different or thinking about something different, um, you know, I was the oldest. And so I think my mom was most protective, especially when it came to like movies, TV, video games, um, and being exposed to things that like were quote unquote inappropriate. Like the one I remember is like, remember Madonna's cone boobs? Like, oh, yes. You know, today's the equivalent cones. would be Lady Gaga or Beyonce. Right. Like, especially when, when it's like accessible to children, like the Super Bowl halftime show, right. you know, yep. I'm, I was at a younger age and I just remember, I think her, you know, she was fearful. It felt like I don't want my kid exposed to that. And of course today there are absolutely things that I don't want my four-year-old exposed to, but I, where I feel like I might do things differently is be a little less about maybe censoring or judging and maybe more about like, cause with my kids, we, we will watch things together, even if they're not quite age appropriate. And then we'll just talk about it. We'll just okay, dialogue. Yeah. We might even laugh about it. Like we just, I, so I feel like that's, and that's to no fault of my mom. And it definitely, I'm sure it's because I'm the oldest. In fact, I remember yeah. giving my sister a hard time because remember when friends first came out, yes. like when it was early, early friends, I remember my mom not wanting my sister to watch because they were living together, right? It was like yep. a couple who was living together. And like by the end of like my sister's high school, they were watching it together. That was like their bonding show. And I was like, well, what yeah. happened? You know, but yeah. Yeah. to your point, you were the youngest. You were the most free range in part because your mom had learned nobody died by running around the neighborhood, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot to this yeah. that is... Um, birth order Your too, position, I think. Yeah, yes. birth order for sure. So, well, yeah. and, and also I think that there, you know, maybe one reason our generation is probably a little more lax 
about that kind of thing too is because when our parents were parenting us, like there was more of a um, an illusion of control. Like yeah. you really could limit what your kids saw in the house, um, what they accessed, because there weren't that many stations. It was right. like really easy to say you're allowed to watch PBS and not MTV and not yeah. any other TV after eight o'clock at night. Well, those are really easy limits to set. Now it's like you're allowed to be on this platform, but not that one. Yeah. You're allowed to friend people, but then you have to like you you have to make it private, or I have to be able to friend you. There's so many more rules yeah. and like layers now that I think some of like the content itself I'm less worried about it's more like how do the how do I raise kids who can navigate this stuff yes. as they get older and yes. so the game the rules have changed the game yeah. has changed totally so obviously the way we handle it is going to be different agreed well that was a fun question Mandy it really um, was and definitely it's fun to look at these differences so okay well we are already to uh, our third and final question and that came from alicia and she asks us about summer camp and so we'll play her question then i have a some i have a little more info that she sent me that i'll pop in with after we listen to her question hi megan and sarah this is alicia from chicago i was curious about when you send your kids or if you have sent your kids to a sleepaway camp i'm considering it i have a seven-year-old first grader um so he'd be going this summer when he's seven and a half. And I also have a five-year-old daughter and a three-month-old. And curious if you have ever done that. Thank you. So after she sent in that question, Alicia sent me an email with a few more details. And that is that the summer camp they're considering sending their seven-year-old to is the one she went to when she was growing up from second grade on. Um, And she worked there as a counselor. So she obviously has a lot of positive memories associated with it and knows the camp really well. Um, And that for his age group, there's a three-night or a five-night session and that they would do the three-night. So I think that's important because I did think seven. Wow, seven sounds young for sleepaway camp to me. But I think those details definitely put it in context so yeah I mean I've had my seven-year-olds have had three-day sleepovers with friends right. <laughs> before just because it just didn't end so um, definitely makes it different for me I will also say I think that this is in some cases a regional and um, city versus suburb versus small town specific kind of thing I know it's really big on the east coast for kids to go to really long summer camps it's kind of like a thing and I think for city kids there's also kind of this idea that like they need to get out of the city and go into nature and stuff so right it's really hard to answer that on some kind of like, cause, cause it is part of the culture that you're in and that influences things. Um, for me, uh, I have had kids that have gone to sleepaway camp. So my, I'm trying to remember now who all my middle schoolers and high schoolers have all gone to a camp around here. Um, it's kind of like the non specific religious camp that all religion religions feed into like okay. all the churches feed their youth to this camp it's a vaguely a vaguely it's, religious it, non-religious yes, camp exactly. i like it yeah um and it's kind of the cool thing to do what i like about it is you know a lot of kids from other schools go so around here the kids are very territorial about the school that mm. they go to it's competitive and mm-hmm. um sports it's and- kind of sports so yeah that kind of stuff it's really cool for them to go to an environment where they all are just together and yeah my son jacob has um made lasting friends that he still goes and visits at their college dorms and stuff from that were from like these competing schools in fact the funny thing is we have a school right like about 10 minutes from ours called lakeshore and we're intensely competitive with lakeshore okay and jacob accidentally wore a lakeshore t-shirt that a girl from camp gave him on his last day of high school no. which i thought was hilarious <laughs> friend called me and she's like i just saw your son walking down the street in a lakeshore t-shirt and it's so dumb that that's a big thing but around here yeah it is a big thing so um i just like that that kind of like blurred those lines yeah for younger kids um my sister-in-law jenna is a camp counselor at her episcopal church camp which is like a few few hours north of here 
And she has taken now Owen and Will, I think, have both gone with her. And that's for a week at a time. Clara maybe could go this year. I'm not opposed. She just turned eight. Um, I think she would do okay. She probably would like to in theory. And then I think she'd get there and miss me. But that's okay. Yeah. Like, I think this is the age where kids start can miss their parents a little bit and, yeah. and work with that. And if it's that you know, fuzzy, warm and fuzzy kind of environment, then they're going to be supported through that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. So I don't know. I, I had this, the book that the um, parent trap was based on. Oh, I, um, didn't know it I can't remember on a book. Yeah, but we just watched that this weekend, oh, which you? is a big coincidence. So, yeah. Yeah, that is funny. So I, I remember reading that book when I was a kid and I can't remember what it's called now. I'll look it up. It's a, I think it was a British. Okay. Book. Obviously that <clears> would make sense. Um, but I remember having such this like, romantic idea oh, of what it would be like to go to like a six week summer yeah. camp and how crazy and like different that from anything I had ever experienced yeah. as a kid that that would be. So I don't know I think, I think it's cool. It's different. Like everyone's families are different. I think a three or five night session is pretty, it's, that seems like a pretty safe place to start. The other thing I was going to say to Alicia with regard to seven, this particular age of seven is any camp, any sleepaway camp that takes seven year olds, I feel like is probably really, experienced and yes. well-versed and set up for handling seven-year-old things like homesickness, yep. like yes. bedwetting, They're not like just picky throw eaters. A bunch of 13 right. Girls. And so that would almost, as, as young as it sounds, and it does sound on the young side to me, but knowing the background here with Alicia's family in this camp, I almost feel like that's the almost the safest possible way to experience being away from home because they've been doing it for so long. And, and if seventh graders are a regular part of their program, yeah, you're not sending a seventh grader to the 10-year-old cabin. They've right. been dealing with those homesickness and the all the things that come along with seven. I mean, some seven year olds don't know how to tie their shoes yet. So right. think of They're all the have that under control. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I would think that if the kid wants to go and kind of understands, yes, I understand that I am willingly <laughs> sleeping away from home for three nights. and I'm not opposed to it. Like you said with Clara, sometimes kids think they want it and then sometimes backpedal a little bit. Right. But as long as the kid is willing, I, I do feel like a you know, a place that you trust, I think it could be a great experience. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them. 
which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Um, Allegra yeah. this year, we have not done any sleepaway camps um, yet, but Allegra's almost nine, but eight and third grade this year. And her school went on an overnight field trip to one of those like outdoor science camp type places. And I found it very interesting in her third grade class, many parents opted out of the sleepover side, which I was kind of bummed about. So they let their kid go for the afternoon of science activities and they drove them back the next morning, which first of all, it was like an hour and a half away. Like it was like over an hour away, like (laughs) way up in the mountains. I'm like, well, I don't, I wouldn't do that. That's me being lazy about driving, but, but they, they didn't feel comfortable or their kid didn't. I talked to one parent who said, I really wish my kid would go. So it wasn't just the parents. I'm not just judging the helicopter parents, but there might've been some of that. And then some kids and I felt kind of sad for the kids and for Allegra. She, there was only one other girl in her class because um, fourth graders also went on this trip. But of the third graders, only one other girl from her class stayed the night and many of them opted out. So I, I wonder if as a culture, we're moving this a little later where now seven yeah. and eight year olds, that seems like way too young. I know in my community, just sleepovers with friends are seeing like a big pushback. People are doing like, they call them late overs where you go and have a movie and popcorn and get in your pajamas, but you don't actually sleep over. Um, which actually, I think that's a good thing for young kids. I mean, there's a lot, mostly just, they're so grumpy the next day after a sleepover and they, you know, but I do, I do wonder if we're kind of moving later and later when we think this is appropriate. But it sounds yeah. like in Alicia's case, it sounds like it's there's mostly positive things. Um, now, I do think it's interesting, maybe worth mentioning about the whole idea of wanting your kid to experience something you experienced, because I think that can be a little fraught sometimes. Yes, we can I think set, you're, you're yeah. right. Do you have anything, any thoughts well, on that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, but you have to pay attention to what your your child's actual um, your your child's actual feelings are about it. And here's the other thing too: I think it's really important to remember that we don't always remember things accurately. So right. I might have warm and fuzzy nostalgic memories about something that when I was a kid I hated. And yeah. I think I'm looking back now, going, "No, it was great. No, it was great. I never was worried. I never cried or whatever." And right. my parents would tell me, or my brothers or sisters would tell me a completely different story. So. I think that in in this case, it's like if your kid is telling you they want to go, they're interested, they seem mature enough, they seem ready, you can still talk to them about the things that they might feel like. They might feel sad. They might feel lonely. Like, what can they do if if that happens? Um, Because I I think it's easy to to just glom onto those happy thoughts, those happy memories and the nostalgia surrounding them and kind of gloss over yeah. the stuff that was Or to assume, so even if you are remembering accurately, to assume your kid's experience will be the same because the experience is the same. And I mean, right. as we all know, we're not, they're, they're we're wired not the differently. Right. Um, just to go back to Alicia's 
question two, she said that she, you know, was kind of going through some of the safety scenarios in her mind. This is what she said by email. Um, and I would just say again that the I think a, a camp that's set up to have seven year olds um, is probably really really done their homework on safety yeah. and stuff. So that's not Absolutely. necessarily, I'm thinking of our, um, when we did episodes on free range kids and letting kids be independent, I think one of the things you and I settled on was there has to be that place where it feels slightly uncomfortable for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably yeah. the best place to be. Now, if you're yeah. pan, if you are panicked, if she is staying up all night panicked because her seven-year-old is away, then maybe it was too soon. Or if the seven-year-old is a complete basket case, but if everybody's slightly uncomfortable, that's probably where the growing happens, where he's going to get to be independent and see that he can do it. I think with Allegra's field trip, that's what I kind of felt sad about is I felt like, gosh, what a great opportunity for these kids to practice going to a sleepaway camp. It was one night, it was with their school friends, their teachers were there. And I just felt like not, not enough of them got to have that slightly uncomfortable experience. Like, what if I don't like the cafeteria food? What right. if, you know, what if the showers are weird? And I think when that is in that safe, uncomfortable zone, I think that's so good for kids and so good for us as parents. So if that's where it feels like for Alicia, then I say, go for it. And if it feels past that into panic mode, then maybe wait a year. Yep. Totally agree. Um, okay, well, we are going to, that's the only, the last question for today, but I did want to talk briefly about our Mother's Day challenge that we have going on. Megan, do you want to set that up for us? Yeah. So we are challenging, requesting, begging, pleading begging. with you <laughs> to send us a letter, a note, a card, a postcard, a post-it note, whatever, um, handwritten yes. via the, the mail, the postal, the U.S. Postal Service mail. <laughs> And we want to hear what you have to say to another mom, whether it is a specific mom like, hey, mom that I just saw struggling in the grocery line or kind of just moms in general, like, hey, new mom, you've got this or whatever it is. Um, just some kind of an encouraging, supportive note, one mom to another or one mom to many. And we're going to collect those and take pictures of them and put them on our Instagram and we're going to read them on the show. And we just we really want a whole bunch like a pile. Yeah, like, I want Sarah to be able to like to like jump in them like a pile of leaves. <laughs> yes, that is an awesome. And then I we love take video a picture of that. that. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I have to admit, I went. We we announced this last week on last week's show, and I waited a few days, and I went to check our mailbox, and it was empty. But it had really only been a few days, and we know you guys are busy moms, and then it takes time to sit down and write a note. That is why we wanted to roll this out with plenty of time leading up to Mother's Day. So this show is airing the third week of March, but you have all the way up until about May first to postmark your letters, but don't wait until May 1st. But no, if you're behind in your podcast down. listening and you're listening to this a few weeks later, you should still have time. Um, and yeah, we just, this idea came about because we hear from you guys all the time and we write back. And of course we talk into our microphones every week to you, but there's no real way for you guys to encourage each other. Um, and we know how smart and kind and encouraging you guys are. And just for every word of encouragement you have, there's somebody out there who needs to hear it. We all do. Yeah, we all need to hear it. Absolutely. So I love the idea that it can be one specific moment that you feel like you have some some words of encouragement for or something more general, something you've been through um, that somebody else is going through. You know, if you have unique experience as a mom of a special needs child or twins or, you know, something that you feel like, yeah, I, I did that. And somebody I wish somebody else could, you know, could feel my encouragement. So hand write it out on a card or a letter or a scrap piece of paper. Um, to find out our mailing address, go to themomhour.com. 
look for the Mother's Day Challenge little badge in our sidebar. And that's where you'll find our mailing address and all the other details about this. But we can't wait to get your letters. As soon as I get one, Megan, I will text you jubilantly. And I will will be celebrating and doing a happy dance. Yes, yes. So our hope is And I want to give this, I want to give the first person a special shout out. So I can't wait. Get get on it. Yes. We will will be doing many a happy dance. So um, again, to find our address, go to themomhour.com. Look for the Mother's Day Challenge badge in our sidebar and that's where you'll find the mailing address if you have any questions on this just shoot us an email it's hello at themomhour.com if we haven't explained it clearly but otherwise we cannot wait to get your mail so speaking of that we should also mention too how people can uh, send us questions just like these three listeners did so um one way is to go to speakpipe.com slash the mom hour or just look for the speakpipe little doodad thingy on our website. And that lets you record your question with your actual voice like they did. So we love that. And yeah, you can email us, hit us up on social media, any of the above. Yeah. And can't you also just email us the file directly? Yeah. And it, several yeah. people did that. So if you know how to yeah. use the voice memo feature on your smartphone and just want to send us that audio file, that totally works too. So All right. the simpler, the better. So cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again well, to Mommy Nearest for sponsoring yeah, thank you. this episode. And all the show notes will be at themomhour.com for episode 94. And we'll see you all next week. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom, and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.